Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. Hello, and thank you for queuing us up. We're glad to have you with us. This is episode number 47 of The Next Track, and this week we thought we'd zoom in on hooking up an audio component we most likely all have in common, our computers. Doug and I were chatting the other day about how we connect our computers to our audio systems. As people who keep most of our music libraries in digital form, and in our case in iTunes, we have to get the music from the computer to the stereo, to the receiver, or to the amplifier. And we each do it in different ways, but as we were discussing, we realized that there are a lot of ways you can do this. We actually came up with 10 different ways you can connect your computer to a stereo. So that's what we want to talk about today. Well, you came up with more than I did, so let's be honest about that. I think everyone is familiar with the most obvious and probably simplest connection, and that would be to the headphone output. Every Mac has a, an eighth-inch stereo headphone jack, and this can be connected to any number of amplifying or speaker devices with a standard mini stereo cable. Typically, you'd use a, a Y adapter that splits the stereo channels to discrete left-right RCA plugs and then connect those to an amp or a receiver. Or you could use a straight male-to-male -male stereo mini cable to the input of a small speaker, for example. Now, even though the audio from the headphone jack isn't super powerful, after all, it's only meant to drive headphones, uh, it's enough to get a decent signal to, you know, a, a reasonably good amplifier or receiver. I think even most audiophiles would agree that the analog signal from the Max headphone jack is reasonably adequate for general listening. Of course, the computer isn't strictly an audio component, and music isn't the only sound that goes through the headphone jack. Yeah, if you are connecting your computer to a stereo system, the sound and the music and all the system beeps go to that stereo system. Now, I've never really liked that, and so this is actually the simplest way, as you say, to connect a computer to a stereo, but it's the one I've used the least because I don't want to have to turn my stereo on to hear my system beeps, but I don't want to hear the system beeps on the stereo when I'm listening to music. It, it just gets in the way. Now, this is great if you've got a computer that's dedicated to music. I think a couple times in the show, I'll mention using a Mac Mini as a media center. A lot of people do this because it's a small, compact computer. You can store a lot of data either on an internal drive or on an external drive connected to it. You may connect the Mac Mini directly to your stereo system, but only use it for that. So it's great if your computer is dedicated to audio. It's not great for other things. Of course, we should probably mention that you can turn off system sound effects in the sound panel of system preferences, but if you like system sounds on otherwise, you'll be toggling this setting a lot. Yeah. So the second one is using the same jack, but with digital audio. Now, this is an option I've never used on the Mac, and I was kind of in the dark about it. So current Macs have a combination jack. That headphone jack handles both a normal 1 8 inch headphone jack, but also what's called a mini Toslink plug. It's optical, right? This is an optical fiber optic cable, and what you need to do to connect this to a amplifier or receiver is you get a cable that is mini Toslink to Toslink, so on the one end, as I said, it looks like a headphone jack. And on the other, the Toslink is a sort of a square connector. Now, you'll see this only on a receiver or an amplifier that has an onboard DAC, a digital analog converter. Because it's sending out digital data, it's not analog audio, so it needs to be converted someplace. So Toslink, optical, they're more or less interchangeable terms, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Toslink is just another name for the specific... Protocol. Sort of protocol right. of digital audio, yeah. which is, as far as I know, the only digital optical audio 
connector system. Now, you end up with the same problem as the first method, that your all of your sound goes to your computer, so you can't split it out. Well, like I said earlier, you can make some changes in the sound preferences. For instance, you don't always want system beeps coming over your audio system, so you may want to change back to internal speakers. If you want sound to come out of your computer, you can just go into the sound preference pane and change from your digital audio output or your normal uh, headphone jack output to the internal speakers. But you've got to make that change every time or unplug it, which is quicker because it just makes the change automatically. Right. It defaults to internal speakers when there's no headphone jack connection. Uh, now, next on the list is, I have to plead ignorance here too, and, and it won't be the last time. Um, what is a digital coaxial jack? It looks like an RCA jack. It's like a single RCA jack. And if you look on AV amplifiers, they all have at least one or two of these inputs. I believe, and maybe you can tell me, this is common with cable TV, that it's got a coaxial jack that you can put into a receiver? Well, when you use cable and coaxial in the same sentence, I tend to think of RG6 video cable. Well, you're, think, you're thinking of the big coax cable, right. but this is a smaller coaxial cable. Coaxial simply means it's got two axes. One of them is the center bit and the other is the outside bit. So you see this in a cable that goes to a cable box. You see it in a cable from a TV antenna. So I've seen these connections on receivers, just none that I've ever owned, and I figured... They were part of some proprietary connector. My two receivers have them. My larger AV receiver has two digital coaxial inputs, and the smaller one in my office has one. So what kind of devices connect with this coaxial jack? I'm not sure when you'd use it, what devices have this output, but I do see a lot for input. As I said, you, some computers have sound cards that have this output, and this could be a solution. Now, if you have a sound card with that output, you can most likely, this is a PC thing, not a Mac thing, you could most likely set that the digital coaxial puts out the music and the headphone jack connected to speakers puts out system beeps or your Skype calls or something like that. I'm not sure. But these would be set with uh, software, right? System software? That would be operating system features, yeah. That would be software features in the operating system. Right. So next on the list is HDMI, and not every Mac has an HDMI output. Well, if your computer has an HDMI output, and if you use an AV receiver, it's going to have one or more HDMI inputs. So you can connect the HDMI from your computer to the receiver. Now, the Mac Mini is a good example of this. It has an HDMI connector. It can output audio and video over HDMI. Depending on how your receiver works, you may not be able to get just the audio. I'm not, I'm not really sure about this. I know that I did use this in the past and it worked fine, but this was running it through an HDMI splitter at the time, so this sort of thing can get complicated. However, if you are using a Mac Mini or another computer with an HDMI output for video and audio, then this is what you want to use. For the longest time, I thought HDMI was video only. Well, I think if it sends audio, it's just that the video channels are blank. It's not sending, it's not sending white noise or anything over the video channels. So the advantage to this, again, as I said, if you're using audio and video, then you'll just have a single connector, and this will make it easier. And I believe on a Mac, you just go into the sound preference pane and you choose this as your input for audio. It just shows up like another connector. This next method is currently the way I'm getting sound out of my computer and into a receiver. Rather than take the analog output from the headphone jack, I get the digital audio from the USB bus. Now, I use a device, a little box, made by Behringer called the U-Control, which plugs into a USB port on my iMac, and the box breaks out the input and output to RCA jack. So not only 
can I get audio out of my computer? I can get audio in, say, from a cassette player or a turntable or the receiver's tape level output. In fact, the mic I'm using right now, the mic processor is feeding into the U-Control, which Skype seems to prefer. I don't know why. Now, I have one of these U-Controls on both my iMac and MacBook Pro to get audio output to a receiver, and then I can switch between them on the receiver using the receiver's controls. I think it sounds a little bit better than the headphone jack, actually. So there's two kinds of USB that, that we're talking about. In your case, it's USB into a, a splitter device. And the splitter device ends up with, as you said, RCA cables, which isn't that different from our first method, which is from the headphone jack to RCA. But there are also receivers and amplifiers where you can directly plug a USB cable into it. Now, again, these are devices that have built-in DACs, digital analog converters, and they have to to read this digital audio. One thing to make note of, you may have a receiver or an amplifier that has a USB jack on the front, right? That USB jack is not designed for you to stream audio from a computer. In other words, play an iTunes output through the USB into the computer. It's designed to read files on an iPod or USB stick and play them using some combination of dials and buttons on the display of the amplifier to choose what you're going to play. So in the realm of digital audio, there is one more way that you can connect your computer to a receiver or amplifier, and that's using an Ethernet cable. Ethernet is your standard networking cable, but you can't just run a cable from your computer to your amplifier. Right, because Ethernet isn't audio, so you're going to have to explain how, how this one works. Okay, so as we go on through this list, I'm going to explain the hybrid method that I use in my office, which combines two different methods, okay? Let's imagine that you've got your router in the same room as your stereo system. And you've got a computer someplace else, right? So that computer is connected somehow to your router, and then that stereo system is connected to the router. In this case, you can run the music in to the device, and it would be using AirPlay or something like that, because it can't stream directly. It can't pick the device as an output device. However, what's important to note is you can't just run a cable from the computer to the stereo. There needs to be a router to give each device a network address so they can find each other. So you've got to have a router someplace along the line between the computer and the receiver. They've all got to get connected into the router, okay? In most cases, you won't want to use Ethernet unless you are in the same room. But again, going back to that Mac Mini, you've got all these options. With the Mac Mini, uh, you can connect to an AV receiver via Ethernet, HDMI, Toslink, maybe USB, and certainly analog if you want to just go from the headphone jack to RCA plugs. So you have an awful lot of options. And the point of this show today is to explain that you do have these options and that in some cases you might want to use one and in some cases you might want to use another. The problem with Ethernet is that you need to have an Ethernet hub and a, and a router on at all times so you can have addressing. You can't do this otherwise. Whereas with USB or Toslink, it works even if everything else is off. So another digital way, but this adds a step between your computer and your amplifier, and that's to use a DAC. Now, we've talked about DACs in a couple of shows, and I'll have a link in the show notes. You could have a DAC inside your receiver or amplifier, and that's the case in an AV receiver, and that's the case in the, in the receiver I have in my office. But you could use an, an off-board DAC, which is a separate device that connects to your computer, usually via USB or also via Toslink, and then has RCA cables that go out to the stereo. The advantage of this is you may want a better DAC than what's in your receiver. 
You may want a better DAC than what's in your computer. And again, there was only the one solution here of connecting the computer via an analog cable to an amp or receiver. And that means that you're using the computer's DAC, which isn't necessarily the best. So if you have an off-board DAC, you generally, most of them have the two options of USB and Toslink. Some of them may also have a coaxial option. And then they all have two RCA plugs out and you plug them into your receiver. It's pretty smooth, but you're inserting another device into the chain. In a couple steps, I'll explain my system and why I got rid of my off-board DAC, because it was just one more device that was plugged into power um, that had wires and, and stuff, and it's just one more thing that gets in the way. If you're in a situation where you don't care or you do have a, a DAC that you want to use in particular, this is how you would do it. But how much do you really lose audio-wise? I mean, most of this stuff has sufficient uh, integrity. I don't think you lose anything. It's just the complication of yet another set of cables. All right, so it's really just about getting rid of all the stuff. Yeah, it's more stuff. Um, and before the show, we were talking about some wireless speakers that I saw that looked really interesting. And they have a little base station, which uh, I'll put a link in the show notes, Wharfdale Diamond A1 and A2. They have a little base station that you can stream to, and then that streams to the two speakers. And I really like the idea of speakers without wires. Now, they still have to have power cables, right? But they don't have to have wires that run to your stereo, which maybe have to run all the way across your room from one end to the other. And my, my goal in life would be to make as many of these things wireless as possible. Again, before the show, we were talking about our USB hubs and, you know, how many USB hubs we have and all the cables coming out of them and all these devices. And if we're talking about getting rid of cables, let's talk about streaming audio. The two best ways of streaming are AirPlay and Bluetooth. Bluetooth is limited to about 10 meters. And I find that if you get near that 10 meter distance, the audio tends to drop out a lot. AirPlay isn't because it uses Wi-Fi. You can buy an awful lot of receivers and amplifiers today that have built-in AirPlay. If not, you can get a device like Apple's Apple TV. But this, of course, brings in another intermediary with the Apple TV no longer having an optical output. So here's an example of, of a way you might want to set this up. Your computer's in room A and your stereo's in room C at the other end of the house, and you want to be able to stream the music that's in your iTunes library on your computer over to your stereo. Now, if you have an Apple TV, you can do this and you can stream it directly. You can use the remote app on an iOS device. So the advantage to using something like an Apple TV is that you can connect it to any stereo, whereas otherwise you'd have to buy a receiver and amplifier that comes with AirPlay. In my case, I have two receivers that have AirPlay, so it's really convenient. You could also use an Airport Express, which is, I think Apple still sells them, even though they don't sell their other airport base stations. One of the best things I ever did in my house was, uh, was using an Airport Express uh, to send audio around the house. We have an Airport Express connected to a small amp and speakers in the kitchen. And anybody can AirPlay into it with their phone or iPad when they're, you know, in the kitchen, either cooking dinner or just sitting around having a snack or whatever. And I also have one connected to my home entertainment system receiver in the living room. You just mentioned that Apple is, well, we, we don't know the future of their Wi-Fi gear, but AirPlay works with any Wi-Fi situation, right? You, ha you have some kind of mesh system that isn't airport, right? Well, AirPlay doesn't need a specific type of router. A mesh wireless system is a router. And I have a Netgear Orbi, which has made it possible in this large old farmhouse for me to get Wi-Fi anywhere in the house. It's, it's two devices. It's a main router and it's a satellite device. I think you can currently only have one satellite, but if you've got a really big house, you could in the future, you'll be able to add a second satellite. These devices have Ethernet jacks, so you could 
conceivably could connect something. Say you've got the main router in one room and you've got a stereo in another that you could connect via Ethernet. Well, you could do it with this. But I, they don't have audio jacks. They're not meant to be devices that are connected to speakers. It's, it's important to note, we we're mentioning the Airport Express, but the previous Apple TV, the third generation Apple TV, also has Toslink digital audio in its headphone jack. The current one does not. It has HDMI out, like, like all the Apple TVs have, but it doesn't have Toslink. And, and a lot of people have been using the Apple TV for this purpose because it's a great pass-through to get digital audio to a stereo system. I still use that generation of Apple TV, and the optical audio out is one of the reasons I haven't upgraded yet. So now we come up to my hybrid system. All right. And you mentioned earlier it involves Ethernet and AirPlay. In my office, I didn't want to run a cable from my Mac to my amplifier because of the things we said earlier about running it through the headphone jack. For a while, I had a standalone DAC, but it was another device that I had to turn on manually that meant a pair of cables coming from that device to the amplifier and a cable coming from the DAC to the Mac. So it was just another link in the chain. So uh, I bought a Yamaha RN301, which is a pretty simple amplifier, not expensive, 200 pounds here, it's $200 or something in the States. But it does have a built-in DAC, it does support AirPlay, however, it does not have Wi-Fi. So how do you get around this? Well, you plug an Ethernet cable into it because it's got an Ethernet jack. And how do I get the Ethernet to the receiver since it's not in the room where my router is? Well, I use a power line adapter. A lot of people don't know about power line adapters. You get, you get them by pairs and you plug one in and connect it to your router. You plug it into your power plug. You connect an Ethernet cable to your router or your hub. And then you plug another one someplace else in your house and you connect that Ethernet cable to something else. So what it does is it actually sends data, digital data, over the power lines in your house to another device. The whole idea of that freaks me out. I have an honest-to-goodness fear of electricity, and while I'm sure it's perfectly safe, you've got to admit it seems uh, dangerously counterintuitive to plug a data signal into an electrical receptacle, but I suppose there's enough bandwidth to keep them apart in the, the spectrum or, or something like that, and that's why there's no problem with having electricity and data together. I think that's what it is. I think it's like a frequency spectrum and that the electricity only uses part of it. So you've got all these cables running through your house and why not use them? So what I do is I stream from my computer. I select my amplifier in AirPlay. The data goes to my router, to my hub. Then it goes into one of the power line adapters and it zips through the wall somehow. And then it comes out the other power line adapter to an ethernet cable to the amplifier, which is six feet away from my Mac. You got to admit that this is a bit of a Rube Goldberg, but it does get that one cable out of the way or the DAC in between. Now, obviously this is a solution that I'm using on a small scale, but if I wanted to stream, say to my bedroom upstairs, I could do the same thing. Put another power line adapter up there, put something that can connect to an ethernet jack, like an Apple TV, for instance, which has an ethernet jack, and then stream out from the Apple TV using the headphone jack or the Toslink connector. This is really a great solution, but I rarely run across information on power link adapters. You don't. It's good to use if you need to extend. So let's say you're in a place and your Wi-Fi coverage in one part of your home isn't great and you want to extend it. You can use one of these to get data. The problem is the data is not very fast and it degrades. The throughput degrades over distance. So the further away, the less it is. But one of the advantages to doing this with audio is audio is very, very little data. It's not even 100 kilobytes. When I'm streaming AirPlay from my iMac, I can see it's about 100 kilobytes per second. And this is lossless audio. 
and that's actually good, a good parenthesis. When iTunes streams AirPlay, it streams in lossless. So if your audio is lossless, it streams lossless to whatever device is going to be playing it. If your audio is not lossless, it basically decompresses it to lossless so it can send it to the final device, which then plays it. So you're, you don't lose any quality when you're using AirPlay. So this is a bit of a hack, but it allows you to connect to a device that's in a place where you can't connect too easily. Right. I'm going, to, I'm going to investigate those. And so we come to number 10. This is the last one, and we've sort of been mentioning this, that you can stream to a device that's connected to your stereo, an, an Apple TV or an Airport Express or a Chromecast. Um, there are a number of devices that can do this. Airport Express has a headphone jack with analog and optical audio. The Chromecast audio also does that. Uh, the other Chromecast devices have HDMI. As I said, the Apple TV 4, the current model, only has HDMI, but the previous generation also has optical audio and a regular headphone jack. There are other streaming devices like Roku and things like that, and if you connect one of these to your amplifier or to your receiver, you can also stream audio to them. Now, how you stream will depend on how you play your music. If you stream using Bluetooth, again, you have to be close, and, and Bluetooth is great if you're playing music from your iPhone or your iPad or your Android phone, and you're in the same room. You're a few feet away, the audio will be fine. It's not good if you've got audio on a computer downstairs and you want to get it upstairs. In fact, Bluetooth simply doesn't work because Bluetooth is a sort of a push technology. So you start playing and you stream it to something. Whereas AirPlay can either be a push or a pull. So I can either set my iTunes to stream to something, or I can use my iPhone with the Apple Remote app to pull it and aim it at something else, if that makes sense. That, that sounds a little bit confusing there. But AirPlay does give you more control. I'm not familiar enough with the Chromecast whether you can actually do that with an Android device. And I also want to mention a piece of software, a brilliant piece of software from Rogue Amoeba called Airfoil. Yeah. Airfoil turns the computer it's running on into a AirPlay receiver. And I use it with my iMac, which is hooked up to a decent speakers. And when I'm using iTunes on my MacBook Pro, the iMac shows up as an AirPlay device and I can send the audio from the MacBook to the iMac. Yeah, link in the show notes. And I actually use this sometimes in my office when I'm sitting in my comfy chair, if I want to listen to a podcast. I listen to podcasts on my iPhone using Overcast. I don't put podcasts in my iTunes library. So I have Airfoil set up on my iMac and I stream from the iPhone to the iMac, which then streams to my router, which then streams across the power line adapters to uh -huh, my receiver. Uh -huh. Keep going. <laughs> this is real Rube Goldberg, isn't it? Totally. This can all seem a bit complicated. As I said, there's an article on my website that I'll link to. I, I think this is more of an intellectual exercise than anything else, which shows what you can do. And the next time you're setting up new audio equipment, you can think, well, what's the best way to do this? And the best might not be the best quality sound or or the, the least expensive. It might be the one that fits most conveniently into the way your things are set up. You know, just going back to if you've got a room where you can't stream to it well, you can use Powerline and Ethernet. But if you can stream to it, then you can just use AirPlay. But if your amplifier doesn't have AirPlay, you'd need to buy something like an Apple TV or an Airport Express. In a way, I long for the days when all we did was connect the CD player or the turntable to the stereo, but we do have these options now, which means that my iMac is my media center, right? I use Plex for my videos and I can stream them to my Apple TV and view them on TV. I can stream music 
to my stereo in the TV room. I can stream music here. We were talking before the show about my getting a pair of speakers for the bedroom, which will be the topic for another show. I'll be able to stream music to them. I think AirPlay is one of the most flexible when you've got a centralized media systems, whereas Bluetooth lets you stream whatever you've got on the device at hand into the, the nearby speakers. So there, there are pros and cons to all this. And if any of this helps, drop us a, a, a comment on the show page. And if you have an alternate method that we haven't mentioned, please leave a comment because I did a lot of research and I only found these 10 methods, but there may be others that I can't think of. All right, we're just about to wrap things up, and this is the point of the show where we present our next tracks, the music that we'll be listening to. Kirk, I have a feeling there was a big release this week. So for my next track this week, I'm going to hold it up so Doug can see it, and oh, no yeah. one else will be able to see it. I actually I actually have a vinyl album here. It's called Triplicate, and it has records in it. It has three records, right? I'm holding it up. It's like one of these old-fashioned record albums with the sleeves that fold out and they say Columbia on them. It's Bob Dylan's latest album. It's called Triplicate. It's 30 standards, like the last two albums he did, Shadows in the Night and Fallen Angels. And, well, you know, if you listen to this show, you know I'm a Dylan fan and I'm not going to diss it. It's There's something really magical about Dylan, even more on this album than on the first two, that he's just taken these songs to heart and he's given them life. And his voice cracks, he sings off-key at times, but the arrangements are perfect, his band is perfect. He's taken these songs that are almost as old as him and he's making them new again in his own way. Now, if you don't like Dylan's voice, it's understandable. If you don't like this sound of music, sure, fine. But if you do, there's really something special about what he's done here. There's a very long interview. I'm going to link to my review on my website, and there's a link there to an interview that Dylan did that's on his website where he really talks about how the music has moved him and some of the specific songs and all that. And you can tell he really loves this music. Unlike the first two albums, there are some songs here with horns, and they give it a nice sound. They give a, a sort of a small big band sound. What's really interesting is that all these songs were recorded live. It, it, it wasn't you know, the core band recording and then the horn section recording being overdubbed and then Dylan overdubbing. It was all done live, like back in the 40s and 50s with a couple microphones and everything balanced. And Dylan said in the interview that you just can't do it right if it's not live when you're working with the horns. I don't know. It's just there's something about this old music that Dylan's brought back, which I think is really special. So it's called Triplicate. It's three CDs or three LPs. I bought the limited edition vinyl and I got the auto rip downloads from Amazon in case anyone thinks I actually bought a turntable, which I haven't. In any case, Bob Dylan Triplicate. What about you, Doug? I bet you haven't picked a Bob Dylan album this week. No, no Dylan this trip. Um, you've heard me say that I don't have time to listen to new music because... I still haven't finished catching up with listening to old music. And by that, I mean that there's still plenty of music to discover that I missed when it first came out. Or in this case, I kind of avoided it when it first came out. Now, recently I was captivated by this song I heard on some internet radio station, and I was surprised when it turned out to be from an album by Kevin Ayers. Kevin Ayers, who is no longer with us, was a British musician that was one of the founders of Soft Machine. Uh, they were a contemporary of early Pink Floyd, to give you a reference point. But he was also part of what's known as the Canterbury scene, sort of a psychedelic British prog rock genre that was popular in the 70s. I totally avoided all of that music growing up. I just did not care for it. So anyway, so I hear this song by Kevin Ayers, 
and it was pretty cool. It's called Stranger in Blue Suede Shoes from, as it turns out, one of his most popular albums, Whatever She Brings We Sing. I had never heard of it, but I'm going to listen to it, and with any luck, this album will lead me to maybe more Kevin Ayers or more music from that era and that scene. And now, to me, this music that at one time I avoided and didn't care for is fresh and new. It's new to me, as the used car dealers say. And, and that's good because I have this fear that I will no longer be interested in discovering music, like a lot of my friends who still only listen to music from their glory days. So here's hoping a nice little universe opens up for me after listening to Kevin Ayers' Whatever She Brings, We Sing. It's my next track. This has been The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. You can find show notes and links to some of the things we talked about in this and other episodes at thenexttrack.com. There's also a contact form there you can use to send us comments. If you like the show, we hope you'll subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And please think about giving us a review or rating. We'd appreciate that. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.